Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Kettle Menu Podcast. Today, I had the opportunity to sit down with Bailey, and we talked about beef in your diet. And I don't want you to skip over this episode if you're saying to yourself, I already know I need beef in my diet. We talked about some rural health and how to maintain health and be invested in your health when you live in a small community. And so I encourage all of you who are in rural America to tune in and listen to what Bailey had to say. It's an incredible episode, and she gave some very tangible tips for making our health a priority and maintaining the longevity of farmers and ranchers. Welcome back to another episode of the Cattleman You Podcast. I am thrilled you guys are here today. We have Bailey joining us. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Of course. Why don't you take a little time and introduce yourself and update our listeners on everything you're doing? For sure. So I'm Bailey Cooper. I'm the owner of Rural Health Education. By trade, I am a dietitian, um, and I have my PhD as well, so I have a little bit of a research background. I live in West Texas, just outside of Lubbock. I'm originally from San Angelo, Texas. My PhD is from North Dakota State University, so I lived up in the cold tundra for a while. It's an exercise science and nutrition. My private practice is geared towards rural communities and having support for clinical nutrition and nutrition education and wellness. Jeez, that is such a needed topic, especially in rural communities. I think even those of us who live in rural America, I mean, I for sure live in rural America, 1,200, 1,300 people. But I have a town, Bozeman, which is pretty close, you know, 30 Mm -hmm. minute drive. It's very accessible. And there is a lot of rural America that they do not have somewhere 30 minutes that they could even pop into for an appointment. And so why did you pick rural communities to kind of focus on? Mm -hmm. I actually, I'm so glad you brought that up. I was thinking about it this morning. I made a, you know, social media post. It was on my mind. So my dad has type one diabetes and really did not have the support that he needed. He did not have the expertise in our area, even though my hometown is around hundred thousand, you know, just healthcare is a lot different. And then More recently, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer about five years ago. And through that, she felt really uncomfortable, me not speaking badly on oncologists that are in smaller rural areas, but there was not a really good success with cancer um, going fully into remission and being cancer-free with a lot of the oncologists and the other um, women that had gotten breast cancer in my hometown. And so she ended up driving as well to have a specialist for oncology. And so through that and their experience, I really wanted to focus on rural areas. And I still live, I live outside of Lubbock, which is huge, but you know, the rest of outside of Lubbock, if you've been here, it's, it's very rural and that's a huge need. And then on top of that, I was an athlete and I worked with sports nutrition for a really long time. And I've seen a huge need for rodeo athletes and just 
sports nutrition in general in small rural communities that they can be able to not only compete at a high level with those other, you know, high caliber Dallas, Texas athletes because they're sports dietitians everywhere, but having the support that they need because they're traveling longer than a lot of these metropolitan areas um, and they have unique needs compared to other areas. So that's really the biggest reason I wanted to focus on that. And it's personal too. I've seen it and I want my my future kids to to have the support they need, but I'm excited about where it's going to go. One of the things that I always say is part of our passion on the marketing side, so on our marketing company, is really marketing, helping rural America market. And I always say that if we are passionate about the next generation of farmers and ranchers in any capacity, whether you're a consumer, whether you're a producer, whatever, the small communities have to be thriving in their own sense in order for a family to even consider coming home. If there's no doctor, if mm-hmm. there is no resources, if the school system is either non isn't a thing or mm-hmm. it's not good, mm-hmm. and I say nicely, right? Or <laughs> there's no place for the husband or wife to get a job, like any of those. Mm-hmm. The next generation of ranchers and farmers are gonna go somewhere else. And right. they still might go to rural America. They're just gonna find a different rural America than where they grew up. And that's how we lose these small communities. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, let's talk nutrition. So I always find it really interesting that our kettle have nutritionists. But for a lot of farmers and ranchers, nutrition is not a topic, one, that I even think their doctors bring up. Mm-hmm. And two, something that we don't know a ton about. And also, the third point is, I feel like there's a lot of misinformation on human nutrition mm-hmm. on the internet. <laughs> and Yes. There's just a lot of stuff. It's like one person says, eat all the butter. One person says, don't eat any butter. Right. It's very confusing. So let's talk a little bit about how nutrition works, not like getting in depth, but how does finding someone to help you with nutrition, why does it make such a difference in lives, all of that? Mm-hmm. So what I do, and I was having a conversation with a local pharmacist about this yesterday, is you will see, and this happens in animal nutrition too. It's like, let's don't view everything as a whole diet. Let's just do this supplement because it's going to work really well, right? And that really just puts a Band-Aid on an open gaping wound. Not that everybody has an open wound with nutrition, but, you know, when we're getting deeper as we age and we're at risk for disease states or you have a family history of medical issues, Sometimes that's what it can look like. So when we, myself and some other dietitians that I've contracted with for my practice, we look at nutrition as a whole. So we look at family background. We look at what you're eating every single day. We look at the foods that you maybe have an allergy to. We look at what's accessible. So what is in your area? What's at your local grocery store? And then we also look at, um, you know, culture is a big, (laughs) is a really big topic right now, but what we eat, you know, in the panhandle-ish, we're like the start of the panhandle to me, what we eat in the panhandle is really different than what they eat in South Texas, right? So looking at kind of the, some of those, all of those aspects, and then um, what we do is kind of the fun science part to me is we look at those gaps and maybe what you're struggling with. So if I have, I had a, a barrel racer really a couple of months ago who contra- contacted me and really was not eating enough carbohydrates. And so trying to find a balance with those macronutrients, looking at macronutrients as a whole, understanding what they do for our body rather than this like 
don't eat this, eat that. Um, because all foods, and I love, you know, we can definitely dive into cattle and, you know, other ruminant animals is there's such a bad rap of what they provide, but there's also so many good nutrients that we need. And there's a reason we're carnivores, right? There's a reason that we eat those foods. We need those foods because our body's able to break them down. So from my perspective, you know, as a dietitian and a scientist, I want to make sure we're looking at long term. I want to enjoy a birthday cake at my kid's five-year birthday party and something that's not restrictive, but also going to sustain me for a really long time and keep me healthy and not be this huge financial burden of spending a huge amount of money on food every single month, but feeling sustained. One of the things that I feel people in rural America get nervous about when they hear nutrition, when they hear nutritionist, is that the nutritionist is going to tell them to avoid beef. Mm -hmm. And I know that is a preconceived notion that a lot of us have because of what we've heard Mm -hmm. on the TV. I mean, all these things, right? right? And so... When I was actually at MD Anderson this summer with my dad while he was going through treatment and Mm. he has type 2 diabetes. And so we sat down with a nutritionist and I remember the first appointment he said to her and she was just the the sweetest nutritionist. He said to her, I'm a cattle rancher and I eat a lot of beef. I'll listen to anything else you say. I'm going to eat beef every day. And... Of course, when we were there, you know, we didn't get the chance to interview nutritionists, but just like we do with livestock, you don't have to take the first one that comes down the road. I mean, you can interview them and ask questions. Are you the type of person that likes to write everything down? We've created the Cow Menu Planner for ranch wives, mothers, and daughters who are looking for the perfect place to capture all of their thoughts throughout the year. Our planner is packed full of tools to help you learn more about ranching, working with others, and knowing yourself. Don't worry about the year already starting. We've included blank calendar pages so you can start when you're ready. Grab yours today at cattlemenulive.com backslash planner. You know, it's something as I started my private practice about a year ago, something I really wanted to implement and encourage is not only being so a little bit about an additional background to me besides being a dietitian and working one on one in rural communities. I actually had the opportunity to be an animal animal based protein dietitian on the research team at North Dakota State University. We had this beautiful grant from North Dakota Beef Commission there. Um, and it was about like a four year grant where we looked at muscle quality, strength, metabolic syndrome, um, huge lab values, you know, big old thing. And looking at all of these markers related to how much animal protein people were eating. We didn't specifically look at beef, but you couldn't avoid beef. And if you know North Dakota, you know, they're not going to avoid beef at any meal. And so it was super exciting. One that I know the science behind it, but I also got to be on a very hands-on research team. And we have some great studies that we were able to get published because there really is no indication, um, and I hope it's going to continue to grow, that we need to completely, one, take beef out of the diet. Two, that looking at the diet as a whole and not pinpointing beef as just one product that we consume, it's we're looking at, you know... Are you, how are you cooking it? What else are you eating besides beef? What does that look like every single day? You know, all of those factors. How much exercise are you getting every day? Because if we know farmers and ranchers are up on their feet all the time, they're really active. Um, And it maybe not look like 
physical activity, but their heart rate's getting up and they're more active probably than I am every single day, right? So one, that was super exciting. And two, I think it's going to continue to grow kind of on the science route. But I do, you know, there's dietitians out there (laughs) that are pushing a vegan diet and are pushing, you know, super restrictive unsaturated fat and things like that. But at the end of the day, that doesn't make sense to me, especially as a a woman, when we're losing all of the, you know, we have a menstrual cycle. So we need iron, we need that heme iron that we can absorb well. During COVID, there was a really big push for zinc. Well, number one way to get zinc is through beef. Um, That's going to help our immune system. So there are all these nutrients that we need from beef specifically and from our animal other animal protein sources that There's no reason to cut that out of the diet. Now there's definitely, you know, (laughs) let's look at the other, other side of the diet. Are you on the tractor all day drinking Dr. Pepper, then coming home and having a big old meal, right? So (laughs) there's definitely, it's more than just one pinpoint area. And that's where I get really frustrated in America is, well, we need to target this one piece because this is what's killing us. You know, like soy oil is getting a really big push right now. (laughs) Like. Are we having soy at every single meal? Are we not looking at all of our fats? You know, I mean, it's just, I think we want to target the criminal and it's, it's just not one culprit, right? It's a whole, whole big slew of everything. And then we could even throw, you know, anxiety and mental health in there related to, to our other issues. So it is a lot to chew on, but I think not, you know, advocating for and making sure that there's a reason to continue to eat beef and keep it in our diet rather than, well, we just need to take it all out because that doesn't make any sense. And I think it's really good for people to hear a nutritionist say that there are other nutritionists who believe in keeping beef in the diet, you know, and one, when we look at economics, a lot of ranchers and farmers, that's what they have in their freezer. And so mm-hmm. we are going to recommend use what you have. There's a lady on TikTok that I follow. I think she might be in Canada and I do not know her name. I'll try to find her and put her in the show notes. But she's at We Use What We Have Lady. Mm. And she makes all these recipes. And I'm always amazed because I cook a lot. But she, she'll she say, oh, I'm making X, Y, and Z. And it normally has this. But I don't have that. So I'm going to use what I have and I'm going to do this. And she's like, it will change it, but it will be perfect. You know, most ranchers and farmers have meat in the freezer. And so there's no reason from an economic standpoint to recommend that we don't consume any of that or from a nutrition standpoint. And I think it's just good for people to hear that someone can look at the whole diet. And the other thing too that I've really noticed in rural America is we have a tendency to not eat Mm -hmm. um, until midday. And that was something that I noticed with my dad. And one thing that we've started to incorporate, which I never thought would be the case, was protein shakes. Mm-hmm. He actually really loves them. They're super convenient. He can grab them when he's driving, anything. And it's amazing what that protein does in the morning. One, mm-hmm. for his mental health. Right. For his nutrition and just kind of jump starting the day. Mm-hmm. And I always thought protein shakes were done by like NFL athletes <laughs> or people like on a really restrictive diet, right? right. Like I kind of viewed them as both, but not just something that like everyday people could incorporate. Right. I think that the right nutrition for anyone has to fit their lifestyle. And mm-hmm. it's like no two plans are going to be the exact same. For sure. Definitely. What are some things that you tend to recommend more to people who live rurally, maybe have some food? What it, It's not insecurity, but um, food desert. Is that what they call it? 
Yeah, food food desert and just what's available, you know, food availability is a huge thing. One thing I try to do, you know, I have these goals that I want a lot of my clients or athletes to meet. And how we meet those goals, kind of like you were just saying, it's we're going to be really unique on what we're going to do. Um, so a good example is whole grains. So I really love any client, regardless of what they're doing, to have at least two servings of whole grains a day. Well, if you live in a rural community and you're trying to find like, you know, a whole wheat pasta, obviously, if you don't have a gluten allergy, which is a whole nother talk, but we're just trying to get more fiber in our diet, whole grain is the easiest way. And there's also other nutrients and whole grains compared to, you know, some of our heavy starches or processed grains that you're not getting. So that can be a challenge um, as far as like finding those items in the store, even on the road. So I've kind of, you know, helped different clients work with, well, what is available at your grocery store, even though, you know, we may have to crock pot brown rice, or you may have to steam it longer. Or um, if you can't find a noodle, let's do a price comparison if you were to order it, right? So different things like that. A couple other things that I think can be the most difficult, and it's more, um, it's kind of funny, I was talking to the med students, which our doctors are going to be amazing, you know, 10 years down the road, the University of South Dakota actually contacted me and we've done some talks with them on nutrition. And like, if you, if all your patient has is to go to a convenience store, we can make a good meal. They can get a canned food. We're good to go. Right. So it's just figuring out what that means. So a lot of clients and athletes and just in general living in the rural areas, it's finding what they can get at the convenience store, what they can get at the truck, the truck stop. So I've made a really nice list that if any clients meet with me, you know, we're looking at what fruit can you get? What vegetable can you get? If the farmer's market, which I know y'all live up North winter, <laughs> trying to find vegetables is tough. So what canned foods are we going to look at? How are we going to take some of that sodium out? Right. And just get a nice balance. So it's tough, but at the same time, I don't think it's not, impossible. It's just having a little bit of a plan. You know, I mean, we travel a lot. My husband's a veterinarian. We don't travel as much as we used to when he worked at a different position, but we're still busy. Um, so having a little bit of plan before you go into the week, having a plan when you're traveling, having snacks that, you know, you can rely on that are going to be one, you know, overall healthy that you don't have to rely on. Okay. All they have is chips and Coke, right? When I come to this truck stop, but what can I pack that is, you know, sustainable that doesn't have to be fridge. So just having a little bit more of a plan is definitely the easiest way to go about it. But it I mean, it is challenging. But I think people in rural communities are always up for a challenge. You know, we, we're providing the rest of the food for all the metro areas, even if they don't realize it. And so it's, it's not impossible, for sure. How does hydration play in all of this? I think that Farmers and ranchers are chronically dehydrated. I'm talking to the majority, right? There's going to be some exceptions. And one thing that I've noticed, and I have seen some people call it out, but almost every little kid that I run into these days has a water bottle with them. And I don't remember that. I was born in the 90s. I do not remember <laughs> carrying a water bottle with me. And so no, we didn't do maybe, that. My, <laughs> yeah, maybe my chronic dehydration stemmed from then. But I think water consumption, especially in the colder months, is really challenging for a mm -hmm. lot of people. And so, one, let's talk about what hydration affects. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're dehydrated, what is happening in your body? And then just some tricks to consuming more water. For sure. Uh, love that you brought that up. 
because it is such a challenge. I never knew, you know, I'm West Texas gal. The worst winter will have will last, you know, maybe a week. And so when I moved to North Dakota and the winters are so harsh and so cold, I did not realize how, one, how difficult it is, but two, because you're not mentally knowing that you're sweating and it's warm outside, it's so difficult. So hydration, you know, why we need water, number one. Our body, you know, around percentage always changes and the percentage is going to change. So there's a reason that you're not, every person walking the planet is not 88% water because the more muscle we have, the more water we have. So, you know, if you're a very lean person, even if you're not lean, but you have a lot of muscle mass, if you're a bigger body, you're going to need more water um, because that's based on how much energy we need a day. So it's kind of a fun math, but you need as much energy, as much energy you need, you need a water with milliliters. So normally, obviously, we don't live in Europe. So I help calculate that into ounces, into cups, things like that. But number one, our body is made so much of water. Two, with our muscles to be able to contract and work correctly. And the reason we'll start seeing like a lot of cramping and things like that is because our muscles need that water so they can move and function. And then lastly, not lastly, but another part is making sure our lungs have enough water, especially during those cold months, because it is more difficult to breathe, especially if you love an elevation. And then our gut uses all that water to help break down all of the food that we're consuming. And that's when we start seeing issues with like constipation or diarrhea, which is like not a fun thing to talk about in the morning, but that's what happens in super, super common up, you know, in the colder months. So First and foremost, typically what I look at, especially in winter months, one is, are we meeting our water goals? Normally with a lot of clients, um, I actually want them to meet kind of their cups per day, but I also want them to look at their urine color, which also super strange, but um, you want it to be about a lemonade color because we don't want to be overhydrated. The good thing is with a lot of the foods that we're eating in the winter, especially in the colder months, they are going to be a little bit more saltier. So we're going to be able to absorb some of that water. But if you're one that really struggles to absorb water and you know like I'm over dehydrated all the time or I just feel like I'm not drinking enough definitely can look at some different electrolytes um I made a nice another another thing I'm big on lists because I think they're so easy it's like a plan for a plan right looking at different broth if you're a broth drinker making some of those like even Gatorade but Gatorade doesn't always have to be the option but Looking at different electrolytes and warming it up. So you're having warm water and electrolytes is sometimes easier than just drinking like cold ice water because our body kind of likes to stay temperature wise. We like to kind of stay in the same temperature. Um, so trying to keep it warm is also easier to do too. Is one of the things I recommend. So, yeah. I certainly know that I do not drink enough water, especially when I'm on the road. I have to be very intentional mm-hmm. setting an alarm on my phone, trying to drink a cup before coffee, like one of the things that I've really learned with nutrition is habit stacking. Mm-hmm. And so there is that book, Atomic Habit, and I'll put it in the show notes if you guys haven't read it. It's by far, I think, the best book. But it talks about building habits onto your current habits. And so one of them is, you know, drinking a glass of water before coffee. Like if you already are a coffee drinker, things like that is fitting in more water um, mm-hmm. while you're there. Now, I like my water really cold, like really cold with ice. So when I don't put ice in the freezer, I don't drink as much water. And so it's like you have to figure yourself out a little bit Mm -hmm. and realize what's going to work for you and what's not going to work. But I do think that part of the reason why 
we sometimes feel so crummy, headaches, sleepy. I think a lot of that has to do with dehydration. For sure. Definitely. Are you a ranch wife, mother, daughter, or solo entrepreneur? Do you sometimes feel like you're walking your path alone? We see you and we are you. Creating a passionate, proactive community of ranch women has been our main goal here at Cattlemen U. We're accepting new members for Cattlemen U membership this June from the 26th through the 29th, with doors opening on June 25th for those on the wait list. The membership is perfect for you or any ranch woman who wants to be a part of a community of movers and shakers. Not only that, but Cattlemen U members get first access to all Cattlemen U in-person events this fall and the summer of 2024. Sign up for the waitlist today at cattlemenulive.com backslash join and get 20% off when you become a member. Let's talk about switching out some things nutritionally. And again, what are some like easy things someone can do that they probably already have or just different ways to think about what they're eating that are not going to be like black and white? We're talking gray area here. We're going from white to the, you know, whitest shade of gray. One step versus, okay, I only ate mac and cheese every single day for lunch and now I'm not supposed to have carbs. Like we don't do those kind of changes around here. We do like single step changes. So (laughs) what are some like easy beginning step changes that someone could make or just the way that they think about plating their food or some things like that? Mm -hmm. Definitely. So one of the biggest topics I always bring up first with my clients is looking at where they're getting their carbohydrates from and if they're eating enough carbohydrates because of beautiful social media, which has its perks, but definitely has its downfalls, is a really big push on um, sugar and carbohydrates and hating all the things carbohydrates. And there, I understand why there is such this criminalization of carbohydrates, kind of going back to beef, but it's because we're not looking at high fiber carbohydrates and we're not looking at balancing carbohydrates with the rest of our meal, right? So The easiest science explanation is if we're looking at, we'll take milk, for example. So we're looking at milk versus Dr. Pepper or a soda or a pop, wherever you live. (laughs) It's Coke if you're in Texas, but anywhere else it's something different. So milk has carbohydrates. It's actually pretty high in carbohydrates compared to protein. However, we're looking at milk, which, you know, we could talk about milk too as another TED Talk, but... We're looking at milk. It has about two servings of carbohydrates, actually one. So one serving carbohydrate-ish, depending on the milk that you're drinking, like chocolate milk, it has two servings of carbohydrates and it has one serving about of protein, 10 grams. So if we look at that and we're looking at one, the nutrients that you're getting for milk, the protein you're getting, it does have a little bit of fat if you're not getting, you know, complete skim. And then you're also getting, you know, some carbohydrates that are really nice. Doesn't have a lot of fiber, but looks free. Simple, simplistic, we'll compare the two. Now let's look at Dr. Pepper or any Coke. It's all sugar. Okay. Has a little bit of caffeine, but it doesn't have a lot of nutrients and it's literally just carbohydrates. So we're looking at the way the body breaks that down. You're going to shoot through the roof with just drinking a soda and you're not eating anything. If you're drinking a glass of milk because it has protein, it has those other nutrients and a little bit of fat, it's going to slow the digestion down. So when I have clients that are like, well, I don't eat carbs, but I'm super exhausted and fatigued, or I'm eating a very small amount of carbohydrates and I'm super exhausted and fatigued, or on the flip side, I'm only eating a snack with carbohydrates, but I'm not getting protein, fiber, and fat, 
that's when we start to see a lot of these disease states like diabetes, other heart issues, things like that. So the easiest switch, I think, first, when we're looking at the diet, I had a med student ask me if you had 15 minutes to tell a client what would it be. And I'm like, oh, 15 minutes, okay. Making sure when we're looking at our plate, we have fiber first. So fiber is going to come from fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Can't have whole grains, definitely fruit or vegetables. Next, how much protein are you getting? Making sure we're having some sort of lean protein. Now, it doesn't have to always be super lean, but we want it to be, you know, eggs, chicken, turkey, beef, a lean cut of beef, um, leaner sausage, things like that, leaner pork when we're plating our food. Um, So having a serving of fruit, vegetables, and when we're picking our carbohydrate, making sure you're getting at least a couple of servings, sometimes two or three, depending on your body size. But for starters, we're going to look at all of those things on our plate when we're getting a meal for snacks. I always want my clients to at least, you know, we'll kind of work our way into getting vegetable snacks and fruit snacks and things like that, but having carbohydrate and a protein and a little bit of fat at every snack. So that's the easiest thing is you know, when we're looking at everything, we're looking at our plate, we're making sure we're kind of like the my plate picture, we're checking off our boxes of everything that I'm getting. One of the things that I found really helpful is to do like a homemade veggie tray. And where you just prep all the vegetables and you put them on a tray with some, I use homemade ranch dressing because I think it's much better than what any ranch you can buy. Definitely. But it is, it makes such a difference when something healthy is grabbable. Mm-hmm. Like I find myself eating a lot more carrots or mini tomatoes. Like just when it's grab and go and you can just like put it on the counter while you're in the kitchen, even prepping dinner or something, Mm -hmm. it's less tempting to grab the chips when you have that, especially if it's something you like. And so figuring Mm -hmm. out a dip that you like to dip it in or something like that. But that has really helped me kind of prepare is just prepping the vegetables as soon as I get them. Because otherwise, we all know how many vegetables we've thrown away. For sure. Otherwise, I just, (laughs) I'm like, oh, dang it. The lettuce is bad garbage. Yes. So, okay, I think this is a great conversation. And how does someone find a nutritionist? And when do you consider, like, when should someone think about adding a nutritionist to their team? Mm-hmm. My, my, like, shameless plug, I'm like, always, always add someone to your team. So how can you find a dietitian? You hopefully can have a dietitian in your area. However, and this is essentially why I made my private practice, there are a lot of dietitians in our rural communities that work at our rural hospitals. So a good difference between what I do and what a hospital dietitian does is a hospital dietitian will look at, say, someone that like got in a car wreck or had COVID, had to be ventilated, and we're going to make sure they're getting nutrition through a feeding tube. And then there's other aspects to working in the hospital, but that's kind of one of the bigger ones, right? So finding a dietitian outside of that who isn't going to work in kind of this acute care setting can be a challenge. My private practice is fully telehealth, and there's a reason for that, so that people across the country can contact us and they can have a one-on-one session, you know, in the comfort of their home with their house shoes on. Googling dietitian in your area, if you're one of those, it's really big face-to-face. I mean, I'm big face-to-face. That's why I picked a software that I'm going to talk to my clients one-on-one. But, you know, the easiest way is really to kind of Google who's in your area. 
And we're, like I said, I'm always taking clients depending on, doesn't matter really where you're located. I'm going to help you either. If I can't help you, I'm going to find someone else that will. Other specific times that I would always recommend other than just like living and breathing to get a dietitian on board is when we kind of see some body changes. There's always a good need when our kids are growing is a great time to add a dietitian. I know that sounds silly, but it's making sure our kids are getting everything they need. And it's always easier. You know, I'm pregnant right now. It's going to be so much easier for someone else to tell my kid, hey, you should eat this than their mom, right? Because never want to listen to mom. Mom's never right. So that sometimes it's, uh, it's always a little easier, especially, you know, kids are super motivated by things that they love, like sports or other activities. So trying to find like, hey, we're going to talk to this dietitian because she's worked with basketball players before. Something like that is always super easy. Other times. Prenatal and postnatal is a huge time to add a dietitian on board. That is not my area of expertise, but being pregnant, I'm like, this is challenging. Um, It's challenging to feel really bad and not getting enough of the nutrients that my baby needs. Always a great time to add a dietitian. And then when we're noticing some different changes as far as like, If we're starting to be allergic to specific foods, if we're really worried about, you know, our blood glucose just didn't have a great value when we went and met with our doctor, or we have some kind of medical issues that we want to prevent, you know, maybe like my mom with with her oncology, it's like making sure that I'm eating nutrition that's going to support there's things we can't prevent, we can't prevent aging, and we can't prevent our genetics. Um, So making sure that we can control the things that we can control, which sounds silly, but making sure that we are kind of meeting all of our areas of need with nutrition when we're aging and when we're seeing a lot of those changes. So easiest answer is always (laughs) add a dietitian, but it's never meeting with a dietitian once. The cool thing with my practice and with some other practices out there, I accept health insurance and health insurance actually does a really great job on covering preventative nutrition. So Blue Cross Blue Shield is one of the biggest and they will always cover, I can meet with a client every single week if they wanted to and their Blue Cross Blue Shield will always cover it because it's cheaper for insurance company to cover that than if you go in and have a major stroke. That's what's really exciting is like take advantage, take advantage of your health insurance, you know, figure out how much it would cost, figure out if there's a copay, if there's not, take advantage of it. Um, You're paying it for a reason, you might as well take advantage of it. So that's what's really cool and exciting for us is we get to cover a lot of those things that maybe rural people and people in rural communities really wouldn't have thought about because, you know, they have health insurance. And then obviously private pay is nice, but even meeting with a dietitian once you're going to have, I give my clients tons of things, you know, for them to have on their phone, for them to look at, for them to travel with. So even one time is going to make a really big impact for you to have a plan for you and your family. Absolutely. And I think it is important. We oftentimes will go to a regular doctor and feel that we didn't make any movement or we're not feeling any better. And I think just consulting with a nutritionist, it might be an easy switch. It might be an allergy. It might be all of these things that you have to kind of navigate through. But I definitely love telemed. And that's one of the best things that COVID brought us, I believe, is that you can meet with professionals who you used to only have to meet in person. Mm -hmm. You can meet them on the internet. And almost everyone has internet nowadays. And it just is the first time might be a little bit of a learning curve, but it is such a privilege to be able to have meetings over Zoom or over video chat. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
And anyone can do it. I mean, that's one of the best things. You don't have to drive to town. You no. just come in at lunch, get on, takes 30 minutes, 60 minutes, and it's over. For sure. Yeah, I love it. It's honestly, one, it's the best. And two, it's just like decreasing the stress and the financial burden of having to travel. It's so huge. I agree. Okay, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and where they can reach out if they want to either talk to you for the first time or they already have a nutritionist and they just want a second opinion, something to that nature. For sure. Um, so my social media is education. And then I also have a website that kind of works through everything we do because I do speaking events. Um, I do a lot of advocacy as far as if you are a rancher or you're a soy farmer, you're really wanting extra support as far as the nutrition science goes behind. I do that as well. Um, so our website is www.rollhealtheducation, all one word, .com. Perfect. We'll put all of that in the show notes so people can reach out and hopefully some of our listeners reach out and just see everything that you have to offer and check out your website. So thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I love talking all things nutrition, especially when they include beef. Love it. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the Cattle Menu Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember, the grass is greener where you water it.